I had to laugh earlier because about 70% of the songs we've sang today, sang today have been the word free. And I just gave a verse about being a slave. So if I've got you good and confused, I want to help clarify. I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it, about why you're here today. Who is here so they don't go to hell? Okay, here's a better way to put it. Who is here because you want to go to heaven? Sure. Now for my teacher's pets. Who is here because God has inspired you to be together with the body of Christ and gather around his word so you can grow in your faith? Raise your hand if that's you. Those are our values. That's who we are. Now what? Ask your forgiveness for my casual attire, but I wanted to make it perfectly obvious what the fourth value we're going to have in our sermon series was. And I asked you that question, now what, a second ago, because I've been doing some research and I found some troubling results. You see, people all over the world, and in our beautiful country, America specifically, people who call themselves Christians are sitting around doing nothing. They're certainly not serving in the name of Jesus. They're not living out of their faith. They're not joining Jesus on the mission that he's called them to. And in many ways, there's a mission unfolding right in front of them that Jesus has called us to, and they are not taking part. You might be asking, Pastor Andy, what does it mean to serve? And you might be asking that, or you might just be thinking of your own definition, because some people think it's serving inside the church. As we celebrate today, all the amazing people, too many to count, that help Messiah be Messiah every day. They make baked goods, they usher, they do the worship team, they teach, especially on Wednesday nights, and they're leaders on our leadership teams. All these people make this amazing place happen, and they help us be the church. But you might be thinking also of serving outside the church. We've got all these different ministries going out, feeding the hungry, caring for the widows and orphans as we're called to. We've got Home in a Box, Common Threads, Mercy Meals. We've got Royal Family Kids Camp that just happened. We've got so many different people gathering here and then going out and taking what the love and the joy that we have from this place and, and giving it to others. And not just serving, but then there's that third one that makes some of us feel a little bit nervous, and that's witnessing. Witnessing is one of the most important ways we're called to serve. And it's great because we can truly scatter. We can live out whatever our job is, our vocations, our relationships, whatever about being a parent or a friend or a neighbor. And we can use those places that God sent us and the relationships he puts us in to help tell people or show people Jesus. For this sermon today, I mean yes to all of that. To me today, it's so simple. We make it complex, but I say serving is doing something. And very specifically, doing something beyond yourself, doing something for someone else. You see, I'm at risk of preaching to the choir today. We're celebrating so many volunteers in the space between services, and we've got an amazing culture of serving here in this place. In fact, that's why it's one of our values. 
But I know for certain, too, there's a lot of people in here that still need to hear this important message of our calling as God's beloved. And if you are one of those that serve in here, and there's many of you, you're thinking, Andy, preach on, man. Invite them to join us. And I have to tell you, it's, it's such an amazing joy that so many people aren't taking part of all over the world and this adventure we're on and the impact it can have. We can, it's amazing when you have God working through you to bring hope to the hopeless. To be someone that can truly be trusted in a world full of trust issues. And to no less than, as God's instrument, save someone's eternal life by introducing them to Jesus. There is nothing better than that. But you see, unfortunately, the human brokenness we all have does not stop at the threshold of the churches. We have this 80-20 rule happening. And there's other ways to articulate it, but the church can sometimes be like any other group or community. We have 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And I want to make sure that's not us. You see, there's other groups out there where all of them are committed to serving. And when we don't have churches doing that, it takes away the why of helping people know their Savior. It takes away the kingdom impact. And it sometimes makes people point to Christians and go, do they just lock themselves up inside? Am I allowed to come in? And, as a prob- and I see why this problem's happening. I've talked to several other pastors, and I get completely their concerns. I- I've even thought about it myself t- sometimes. I hear God's word. I see exactly what I saw in Matthew 20 today, but still, I'm scared to ask anybody to do anything because I don't want you to leave. I don't want to ask anything more of you because I know you're busy. I know you've got so many things going on. In fact, you probably come into this place on, on Sundays and you're tired. And I'm like those pastors. I don't want you to leave either. And the other way is because I don't want you to be confused. I love this graphic that I brought up before that Pastor Dustin has for us. And I don't want you to get the work that I'm asking you to do in service confused with what God does through his son Jesus Christ. This isn't about heaven. This is about earth. This isn't about the baptism that God comes down and gives us our identity in Christ. It's not about his gift of the body and blood that he gives, but it's about the the part on the bottom left. It's about the part that he gives us and invites us into a mission that he himself is on. He includes us in it. And frankly, this is where the fun really starts to happen when we live out of our faith. So I, too, don't want you to be confused about what I'm asking you to do today. And I don't want you to confuse it with the righteous, saving work of Jesus Christ. But I, we as pastors, love our Messiah family too much to not tell you the truth and the whole truth. The truth that Jesus is already on mission. And there is no greater joy than joining him as he has chosen, saved, and called you. Not because you have to, but because you get to. And I want to make sure you know how special what he's asking of you is. And frankly, here's the big part. What the world, and specifically our country, needs more than anything it could possibly need is God's people on mission. The body of Christ gathered around and activated by his word, scattered to serve and witness to the ends of the earth. And that's why serve is our fourth value at this place. 
So I ask you, are you hearing about this? Because we talk about it all the time. And are you sitting on the sidelines of this mission with Jesus and his church? Are you watching the game from home? Are you stopping in the bottle of that, that triangle that I had, knowing God's gifts for us and your identity in Christ, and then stop? Or are you living out the mission with him? Are you on the field? Are you in, in the battle? Are you fighting the good fight of reaching more people? You see, because we all, anyone who believes and follows Jesus, we're all meant to be on mission with him. And Jesus is so clear about this in his word. It may, not have, it may not have started, it may have started with the apostles and the early church, but nowhere does it say stop. In fact, it says, to the ends of the earth and until Christ returns. I love what Greg Finke says. We're going to be going through joining Jesus on his mission. And Greg Finke is this great Lutheran pastor that also is a great author. You're going to get to meet him. And he's going to talk a lot about this. But he's going to bring it right to us. And he says this. He says, we are not on a mission to serve Jesus. We are on a mission serving with Jesus. You see, Jesus' mission began when he took on human flesh. The kingdom and reign of God is at hand, is what Scripture tells us. And what that means is God's saving grace is here in the person of Jesus. The Lamb has come to take away the sins of the world, and that mission continues every day until he comes back. And so for us, for you, this same mission began for you at your baptism. As we say when, when anyone's baptized, may the good work begun in you this day come to completion in the day when the Lord Christ returns. We are in progress. We are on mission. In, in baptism, we do not enter a club that has different rules that we must follow. In baptism, we become someone else. And my funny from earlier, we become a new type of slave. A free slave. <laughs> Larry, in his message last week, gave one of my favorite visions and illustrations of the church, Acts 2, 42 through 47. It's so beautiful. You see the church as it's supposed to be. It's a great example for us. And I just had to think, what if it didn't go that way? What if they weren't devoted to the apostles' teaching? What, do you, what if they didn't break bread together and pray together? There would be no inspiration, no awe that the people were under. What if a bunch of them quit showing up? What if they were leaving early? They would not have been together in the way that Larry talked about. What if we weren't gathering together our resources to be the church, to live out the mission? They, some of them were selling all of their things and bringing it so people could know Jesus. If they hadn't done that, there would be no church and it would have failed. What if they didn't live out of these amazing things they were hearing about Jesus when they were inspired to serve one another and serve the Jews and the Gentiles all around them? They would not, if they didn't gather and they didn't scatter, you and I wouldn't be sitting here. They would not have grown individually and as the church and the road to hell would have widened. Instead, we see the church being the spirit church, inspired by God's word, growing as individuals and as a church family, being together with each other, and then going out and sharing and serving. How did they know to do that? 
the same way you and I know to do that. They had an amazing teacher. They had Jesus. We are taught through his word about how to do this. He taught the apostles, and the apostles taught the people. The people, not all of them great teachers, by the way, if you're sitting out there going, how can I talk to people about Jesus? What they did is they went, and they told as many as people as they could. They simply invited them to come and see about Jesus. In our text today in Matthew 20, it ends with that convicting message from Jesus. In 26 it starts, it shall not be so among you. It's not going to be like this for you. It's not going to be about you and your glory and how can you rise to the top. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, but the most important thing, he served to give his life as a ransom for many. And then I couldn't help but think, he just used the word slave. And I sing over and over again, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And then Natalie puts the most amazing song during our confession that says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I go, I'm about to tell these people to be slaves. So when God says slave, what does he mean? First of all, the definition of a slave that we know is one who is wholly owned and owes undivided allegiance and obedience to a master. And culturally in this time, the Roman slaves, they're not the way you and I envision them. In fact, they had a lot of power and they had great responsibility in many different ways. So I ask you with this definition, who owns you? Who has your heart? Or I might say, what has your heart? I thought of that triangle I put up a moment to clarify the, the two kinds of righteousness. There's the righteousness that God gives to us and he comes down to us. He makes us his children. He forgives us. He saves us. But then he goes, now what? The second type of righteousness, not the vertical righteousness that earns anything, but the one that allows us to care for his people and to bring people into this same relationship of faith. And knowing that purely, I thought of uh, some of those amazing verses I read that when I read them, they make me sad or they make me feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. One of them is Matthew 16. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So we're talking about death. We're talking about slavery. Whenever I think about this, I always think of the Apostle Paul. We kind of knew him as Saul. Um, there's also some different reasons why we call him Paul and Saul, but we knew him as a Pharisee. In fact, he was a bounty hunter that chased down and killed Christians. But if you know him as, as the Apostle Paul, you know that he wrote so many amazing things and he attested and was a slave to God's righteousness. And he helps me understand this question. What does God mean by slave? He says it this way in uh, Romans 6. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves to the one who you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. 
But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. You see, when God loves us so much, he sends his son to die for us. He calls us his very own. We have forgiveness. And when we are free from sin, we become slaves to righteousness, a new type of slave. Do we become perfect? No. Paul wrote all the time about his, his failings and his sin in his life, the thorn in his flesh. But he does talk about being owned and beloved children of God. Our allegiance is to heaven and no longer to earth. We seek to be obedient even when it isn't fun or easy, but this is who we are. This is who God made us to be. You see, my friends, having been made right before God, having him bring his righteousness and put it in our hearts and giving us the power of the Holy Spirit, not by anything we have done, but as a free gift of grace from God, earned by Jesus' death and resurrection, here we sit, here we stand, forgiven. We are regenerated. We have new life in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in us. This also means we're a part of the church, the priesthood of all believers that cannot be held by one building at all. But the body of Christ is all over this world. And it means that we are everyday missionaries sent by Jesus. This is who you are. Do we deserve it? Do we deserve to be chosen, saved, and called to this type of amazing calling? No, not at all. But it's another way, our calling, that God shows he is merciful and gracious because you are called. You are bound by him. No longer to sin, but you are held in his hands. You are created and now recreated, as Paul writes to the Ephesians, as his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There are a lot of people that would like to be you. And there are a lot of people that don't know it, but they would like to be you. They would like to be beloved. They would like to be saved. And they would love to be called to tell people about Jesus. Most people don't even know what that means and what it means for you. Another way of saying that is they don't know that God is their father and offers them the same things that have been offered to you and me. The forgiveness of not some of but all of our sins, a new life in Christ, and hope for eternal life with him. In the same way we are bound by these gifts, in the same way why we are bound by his promises, we are bound by the call to serve and share the good news. And this being who we are, not because we say so, but because he says so, is why it is our fourth and final value. I sum it up this way. Inspired by God's word. And inspired by each other. We can grow. And growing more and more in every way into him who is the head, into Christ the church, together. Together we can be the church. We can be the body of Christ serving in his name and adding to our number 
every day. Praise God, he saved us. Praise God, he chose us. And praise God, he called us. Amen.